the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Vocal Booth To Go, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everyone. A couple of weeks ago, we decided to hold a couple of panels on inclusivity in voiceover. Since we made that decision, several events throughout the U.S. and the world have made these discussions more relevant and more important than ever. Now, as two cisgender white males, we didn't want to speak out of turn on these topics, but we did want to provide a platform for those affected by these events to share their stories, experiences, and perspectives in regards to these important issues. So after a short word from our sponsors, you'll hear an engaging discussion on gender and sexuality inclusivity in voiceover, featuring AJ McKay, Mara Juno, Liz Atherton, Judy Shear, and Aaron De Niro. Hey, Sean, what's a vocal booth? Uh, it's an acoustically treated space to record voiceover, sing, or practice music. Okay, so then what's a vocal booth to go? An acoustically treated space to eat a cheeseburger and fries? No, of course not. Vocal booth to go's patented acoustic blankets, noise mitigation products, and portable booths are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. They're often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. Oh, I have it now. Actually, I've always had it. I've used Vocal Booth To Go's products for years, and I can't recommend them enough. Vocal Booth To Go. We make your environment quieter for less. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking, not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking, not unlike myself, and you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist, because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Walgreens. Because it's flu season. You live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. 
This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter Podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Welcome to the second of our panel discussions on inclusivity and voiceover. This episode is going to focus on inclusivity with regard to gender and sexual orientation in what has traditionally been a male-dominated industry, as well as not always tolerant of people with the people from the LGBTQ plus community. We'd like to talk about how hopefully there is growing awareness for diversity and inclusivity in the VO world. If you're a frequent listener, you may notice the questions repeated from our last panel, and that's because the issue is so vast and we were lucky to have so many great people willing to participate that we split the episode in two in order to allow more great discussion. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, all of you, for coming today. I'm, I'm so ecstatic that, that you're able to be so generous with your time. So before we get started with questions, let's go ahead and go around the round table and introduce ourselves in case people aren't aware. So why don't we start with you, AJ? All right. Well, I'm AJ McKay uh, with AJ McKay Creative and JMC Demos, and um, I'm also a voice actor. So there you go. Do you need more than that? Do you want me to tell you why I'm here? <laughs> If you want, no pressure. Um, well, I came out when I was 17, so um, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, um, I'm kind of an activist as well um, on equality issues and, uh, you know, justice issues. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here and part of the discussion, and I think it's uh, something that's long overdue, especially for, uh, for our community in the voiceover world as well. So I'm happy to participate and, and give whatever feedback I can. Wonderful, thank you. Okay, so going down to our second row, how about Mara? Hey everybody, I am Mara Juno, and uh, I am a full-time voice actor living in Los Angeles. I do a little bit of everything. Um, I am here because I am a, I guess, bisexual, non-binary, genderqueer, pansexual, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit fluid, and so I would love to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I hate all the titles, man. I don't like I know, boxes, right? but you know. Labels, labels. <laughs> labels. <laughs> well, that's why we're here to talk about all them labels. But anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Mary. It's great to see you. All right. You and, too. And in the center, the queen bee herself, Liz Atherton. Hi, I'm Liz Atherson. I am the owner of Cast Voices, and I'm here because this is actually very relevant in our programming. Uh, because of how we set things up. But mostly I'm here, I guess, if we're going to identify, identify as heterosexual crazy mother of four. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> I also think I'm just a lover of humans and I have opinions. And so um, I've been in the voiceover industry during near all my life. And I, uh, I hope I can contribute something that's worthwhile. I'm sure you will. Thank you so much for being here. All right, Judy, your turn. Hi, uh, it's such a pleasure to be here, first of all. I'm Judy Shear. Uh, I'm a voiceover actor. I'm an improviser. Uh, I co-own a creative ad agency as well. I'm a former broadcaster, a lot of radio and uh, television, former television news anchor way back in the day, and uh, an actor and a writer. So uh, both behind the camera and in front of the camera and the microphone, everything from commercials to promo to animation. I don't know. What else can I tell you? I'm just very delighted to be here and participate in this discussion, which I also think occurs on quite an auspicious day, given the ruling that just came down the pike. So uh, Yay. Is, uh, very exciting. And I think we're beginning to see the, uh, the scales uh, uh, tip toward equity. Just, just a little bit, uh, little bit of forward movement today. Absolutely. And we're delighted to have you as well. And last but certainly not least, Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Erin. I'm um, an aspiring voice actor. I'm a student. I've been uh, singing all my life. I have a background in acting and performing arts and my family is in the industry as well. Um, yeah, I guess I, I identify as uh, gay male and obviously my voice comes off very different and uh, I've sort of been like Ever since being introduced to this whole world, I've been like starting to explore my own uh, gender identity and sexuality and stuff like that. So I'm very honored to be part of this discussion. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. We're honored to have you. Yeah, I just want to say thanks again to everybody for being here. And as much as I kept trying to avoid this discussion because 
I think that two straight white guys are the absolute wrong host for this kind of discussion. <laughs> it, the, the heavens keep smiling on us and, and putting things in front of us to make it seem like that it wants to be, it wants to happen. You mentioned the ruling from the Supreme Court today. Also worth noting that uh, SpongeBob is gay officially now. There was a tweet over the weekend that makes yeah. things, awesome. makes things oh, That's awesome. <laughs> yes. And last but not least, it's the it's Liz, the Queen Bee's birthday. So happy birthday to Liz. Uh, yeah, happy birthday, birthday, Liz. All the stars have aligned. Thank, thank you, everybody. Thank well. you. I'm 29 <laughs> Rev 31. <laughs> just, saying. just saying you know even though you guys uh, you say you know you're two straight white guys you you also are two big allies and are so accepting of anyone and everyone so um you know who not better to to host something like this i mean um everyone needs to have a voice and be a part of the discussion in some way shape or fashion so we need all the allies that we can get in the world and you know you guys are great so well thank you, know. you so oh, much thank you. don't short change yourself as possible <laughs> <laughs> and and i honestly felt like it's one of those things where i mean with so much going on it's just like is this the right time it's like well if not now then when right so why not now so let's jump into it shall we so the first thing we'd like to know is what challenges have you all faced establishing yourself in the VO industry? Well, you know, the thing about being gay in this society and being a white male, um, you know, I am very well, I knew I was gay very early on in my life, like 11, 12 years old. Um, I've also, as I've grown as a person, I've understood the, the white privilege that I have as well with that. Um, I have friends that are a little bit more effeminate and who have been made fun of. Um, I even have straight friends who are on the effeminate side and are mistakenly, you know, called out for being gay and they're not. So I think that we have to come to a point in society where, you know, we accept people for who they are and not for mannerisms or, or for speech patterns or, um, you know, things of that nature. So I've always tried to be real conscious of realizing, you know, who I am as a person, knowing that I could pass for straight back in the day if I wanted to. I mean, in my job in radio, I was closeted uh, early on because you never knew... Uh, and you could be fired. So um, I was always guarded in, in certain aspects. But I've been very lucky in the sense that most stations that I've worked for have had gay people and they've been out and open and, and it hasn't been an issue. But um, for me, it hasn't been as much of a challenge as it has for some other people. But I'm well, well aware of those challenges and that's why I fight so hard you know, for people who are looked down on as less than or, or whatever, for not looking or acting or speaking a certain way. I'm trying to change that mindset with people, or I have been for a long time. So I really haven't had a, a lot of hurdles. You know, you get made fun of in high school and people, you know, call you names and this and that and the other thing. And I went through all that, but I've never had any, any hurdles as far as getting work as a gay voiceover actor. But then again, I don't advertise or bill myself as a gay this or a gay that, or, you know, I just, I'm AJ, you know, this is what I sound like, this is what I do, and this is who, who I am. Um, you know, but I, I go after those, those roles, you know, I mean, I think it, that if I, if I find something that is geared toward a gay person or they're looking for the gay experience, then, you know, yeah, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, to audition for those roles. You know, why not? Anybody else want to jump in? Sure. I'm, I'm happy to jump in. Um, uh, for me, you know, my set of challenges are probably a little bit different. I mean, first, obviously, I'm an African-American woman, and that has its own set of challenges in the voiceover industry. Um, when I first got into doing this uh, full-time 11 years ago, um, you know, there weren't a lot of opportunities for African-Americans, period, let alone as, you know, trying to figure out where I, for most of my life, had issues with questioning my identity gender-wise. You know, I, I, people accuse me all the time of being like a man in a woman's body or, you know what I mean? And, and so I never quite knew where I fit. I have a deeper voice that's not traditionally 
you know, as feminine as some people would, you know, identify. And especially not what I was used to hearing on television. You know, I always thought that if I got into voiceover, I had to have this really soothing feminine voice. And so I was really terrified as where am I going to belong? Because just being African-American alone, you get used to what's called code switching, right? Where you have to start speaking whiter when you're at work, whatever that means, or more polished and more articulate to prove that you're, you know, intelligent and, and all of these different things to prove that you're you're not aggressive and, and things like that. So I already had the identity issues going on with my race. And then you add sexuality on top of that. And it's just kind of like, okay, so now I have to change and be a more effeminate woman so that I can get work and identify as a woman. Um, and luckily, in my experience, I found as the times have been changing, uh, you know, I, I, I've ultimately learned that at the end of the day, just being yourself really is important um, because once I started to embrace my natural voice and register and personality, the booking started going through the roof. And suddenly I was booking things that traditionally males might have booked, but they were like, we really want a voice of authority and we want somebody who can bring the authority of a man with a woman's presence. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of started working to my advantage. But yeah, for a long time, there was quite a bit of confusion as far as, you know, am I really going to have a place in this industry where I can ever, quote unquote, be myself? I know we're actors and we're paid to kind of move in and out of different, you know, roles and identities. But that was definitely a challenge for me. Wonderful. Who'd like to go next? Now, I'm going to step in from a different perspective because I'm not a voiceover actor. I don't speak in voiceover. I am someone who's on the periphery, but I promote voiceover. Listen, the Journal of Advertising found that, and ultimately, guys, when we're talking about whether or not you're going to book, whether you can break in, whether those things, as a human being, I'm totally with you guys. You have to find your voice. You have to find your being. You have to find your sweet spot, how you can deliver, and that as an actor. But in terms of, of diversity and things like that that we're talking about, the Journal of Advertising did a study and found that all products out there, if the product is aimed toward man or it's neutral, then any voice can do it. Male, female, non-binary, uh, uh, Texan, you know, anybody can do it. Um, and, but, and that the only time that the gender really mattered was when it was a female product. I mean, I love you, AJ, but I don't want you to talk to me about tampons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know but, but you can go get diapers for the kids, but you know what I mean? So, but, but I think if we um, continue to recognize that these are the way that sitting back and I cannot speak for Judy and bless her little heart. She's had, <laughs> she's having a little difficult time turning in with us now, but, and, and um, but knowing that, especially now, especially that, that uh, study was from a while back, but especially now we are having a resurgence of bringing information to the forefront. We are human beings trying to fight for us to be frigging human beings. And in as much, I think the more we are true to our being, okay, you can characterize it all, but if you are want to build a character base and you can be true to your being, I think times now, and this, let's get through COVID, let's get through the turmoils that we're going through. My God, let's get through my birthday. I just want to make it to 60 plus one day, but <laughs> I'm kidding on that. I'm sorry. But um, I think that the times are now going to be much more uh, available. Like Aaron, you're a young person coming in through the ranks you don't have to identify. You don't have to identify in voiceover, especially in line of where things are going now. A friend of mine does, is a producer for TV, and she, a couple of days ago, got the, um, the, the SAG guidelines for how to make a movie right now in the time of COVID. And it's pages. It's pages. And it's what it's going to really do is completely alter how movies are made there. And I'm, I've got a point with all this. I promise the exception to that in places like Steve Perry's place in Atlanta, where you come quarantine for two weeks on the, on the campus, you shoot your movie on the campus and then you go, those things will get around. But in light of all that happening, there's going to be and Mara, you can chime in or not. Uh, animation is going to go skyrocketing 
and as animation like animation voiceover and all the 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 conversational remember how long everybody was working on being conversational so it sounded like everybody else and now guys they're calling that the robot voice just so you're aware have you been have you been uh, uh counseled on lose the robot voice my point is is that now diversity in voices from characters to lgbtq plus and i want to say all those right those voices have a place I mean, more so now than ever before, in my humble opinion. Any other comments before we move to question two? For the last couple of years uh, with AI, uh, the request for androgynous sounding voices has hit the market, truly for the first time ever. So uh, we, we find that, uh, I think, pretty interesting. Uh, and it's um, also entertainment personalities and legends like Elton John, who uh, have helped push these, this forward, Lady Gaga, um, and, uh, you know, that that's washing over uh, from the mainstream uh, entertainment, film and television uh, into the voiceover world as well. So we do have a question that sort of talks about what, what Liz and, and Judy just mentioned. However, I'm gonna be a bit of a Debbie Downer and st stay, on, stay on, on script for a second. Have any of you ever faced or witnessed discrimination either in an audition or in a casting spec and how did it affect you? That's a bit of a loaded question, I would think, because most of us audition from home now. So um, I didn't really come up in the days where, you know, we went in and had to sit around and, you know, we waited for other people to audition. I know that there has been some, um, some, some things, especially lately, that have revolved around, well, I'll just say it because I'm AJ and I'm blunt, uh, white folks auditioning for person of color roles. And for me... I would think that because we are asked to be so authentic, you know, and stay true to our voice and ourself, I would think that when they are casting a role, they want someone to speak from that experience. And as a white dude, as a gay white dude, like that's not something that I should be auditioning for. So my personal opinion is that, you know, I mean, I think there are plenty of amazing actors out there that, um, you know, that are, are totally capable of those auditions. And so um, I think that there, there is room at the table for everyone, you know, uh, I, and I don't know how that translates. I mean, that's just my personal feeling. I know there's been some times where folks have been, you know, there have been some questionable things like that happen. And, you know, I just, I think that there's plenty of room for everyone. And I think that we, we should try to stay in our wheelhouse. Now I can only speak from a commercial promo perspective, but I don't work in animation and I know animation and video games, you know, you can do so many different characters and be so many different things. So there, there may be a different perspective, but I'm talking about like authentic voices for Nike or, you know, for commercial type stuff where they want someone to speak from, you know, that, that experience. I mean, you know, I know there are straight actors that, that do gay roles in movies, but, you know, I mean, as a voice actor, you know, unless you're, I don't know, I think unless you live the gay lifestyle, you know, how can you really speak from a gay person's perspective? That's just my own, own thought on that. And I think that to, to, to be a heterosexual and to do that, now I'm talking specific auditions, to be a heterosexual and try to speak from a gay person's perspective, you know, you can't really, it's hard to put yourself in that mindset. I mean, I, I, in, in the sense that when I did come out, you know, my family, there were some in my family who weren't accepting of it. There were friends that I lost, you know, so to know that pain and that hurt, you know, it, it's kind of hard for some folks to understand in that perspective. So, you know, I've experienced some, some, some stuff like that. What sounds gay? What sounds straight? What exactly. sounds black? What exactly. sounds white? What sounds yeah. Asian? Yeah. Welcome to my you world. Know, right. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> right. it's something, you know, you, you spend right. your whole life trying to figure out, you know? Uh, it, it's been a, a lifelong quest to, I, I have to say it was my biggest challenge when I got into voiceover because I really wanted this. This was the first career that I found that I just didn't, <laughs> I, I hated the corporate world. You know, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't the right fit. And when I found voiceover, it was like the skies opened up. This was something I could do, something I enjoyed, something that just resonated with skills that I already had. 
but I was really terrified as far as, you know, am I going to sound, you know, like a woman enough for people? Am I, you know, and, and I've certainly experienced on the, on the race side of it, more of the outward quote unquote discrimination or being asked to play something that really isn't who I am. You know, can you quote unquote be blacker? Can you be more urban? Can you sound like the black that I you know, assume is black, you know what I mean? As if I haven't lived a black life, you know, but I, I'm being told by white casting people to, to switch it up in a way that they define as black, you know, and I certainly have, you know, now that, now that I think about it, I actually just, this just happened a few weeks ago. I, you're right. I, I, I mean, I was in a recording session, um, for some, some video or something. And, and the, some of the producers were saying my voice was sounding a little too masculine and it kept dipping a little too, you know, can you, can you raise your pitch more? Can you sound more feminine and, and things like uh. that? And it's just kind of like this, okay, well, you know, when you hired me, I, I think part of what can be confusing for people too, is I, I do have a lot of versatility. I can do a lot of characters. I can change my voice in a million different ways. Um, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm the voice of AT&T, not commercial wise, but I'm the voice of nationwide directory assistance, you know, which is about to actually go away finally. I think this month. But if you call, I sound like this. Like their idea of what your gender is supposed to be or what you're representing gender is supposed to be. And, you know, uh, that was a big thing for me is what is my voice? Who am I? Do I sound like, you know, who I am when I'm talking to my best friend? Is it, is it who I sound like when I'm talking to my mom, when I'm talking to my boss? You know, there's this hybrid of, you know, we all experience this to a degree. We all have to shape shift a little bit in terms of you're not the same person at work as you are with your kids, as you are with your spouse, as you are, you know what I mean? We all kind of do that. But when you add on gender as another layer to that, and then race as another layer to that, it really can be a head trip as far as, you know, well, who is the true me? What voice do you want when you say you want conversational, you want real person? Because I've had to be so many people to make people comfortable in a room. Uh, yeah, you do start to wonder where you fit in. I would love to be able to come up with a different word than, because when I see, you know, we looking for an urban voice or looking for, yeah, I know that they're, they're looking for just like a hip, young, I know because working in, in urban radio, you know, there is, there are slang words that, that like you say, you're hanging out with your friends that people yeah. throw around. And I love that kind of, you know, like I love that stuff. And I, uh, they, I got adopted because I did a lot of urban production. And so I would have to ask, you know, I'm like, what are we talking about? Like when doing club spots, it's like one line was like, it's only $10 a head. And if you ain't got no head, you get in free. I'm like, is that dirty? Is that like am right, I saying, right. is that is that vulgar? Because I can't say that right. on the you know, so they right. of course, you know, me being you know, uh and I'm pretty hip, but I just wanted to make sure that wasn't any kind right. of like slang <laughs> subliminal, you know. And once they explained it to me, I was screaming because it was funny, you know. I don't think when people say they're looking for an urban voice, like I don't think that they they understand like to some people, that's offensive, and I wish that mm -hmm. we could come up with a word, you know, I mean, street smart or, or you know, just young, hip. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, because I don't know. I just, when I see things like that in auditions, it drives me mental, you know. As a white yeah. dude, it drives me crazy because I, I just look at that and it looks offensive on paper, and I know that they don't mean it like that. Right. Or, you know, maybe they do. I don't know, but it just. Yeah. I've included it as a part of my branding simply so that I can be found and be cast. But quite frankly, I feel completely inauthentic when people ask me to be urban because that's not how I was. I was raised in middle class white America. I was always the chip in the cookie. You know what right. I mean? So it's like I didn't have this urban upbringing, but right. I mean, I, I can play it. But then I feel like. I'm doing a disservice to somebody who really has lived that life and I'm certainly not being myself, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a head trip to put it yeah, mildly. Like you, don't, you don't want to turn down work ever. Right. You know, I, think, I think that people, there are some folks that I know will audition for everything that comes along. And mm -hmm. I think that at some point you really have to kind of take a step back and say, you know, should I really be auditioning for this role? I mean, I know we're, yeah. we're all trying to make money and, and what have you, but on the same token, you have to be cognizant, especially more so now than ever, um, of, of how that looks 
to other people. Maybe you don't care. Maybe some people don't care. But uh, for me, ethically and morally, I don't want to take work out of somebody else's, you know, money out of somebody else's pocket that can, that has lived that experience, that has fought hard to to come up the ranks, and and here I am just coming through pretending to be especially like i said if it's if it's a nike spot and they're they're looking for authenticity that's what they want i mean i would find it so offensive if someone other than a gay person were to try to tell the life story of harvey milk you know who you know it's pride month i'm like i have read and studied about Harvey and people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, who were two pi trans women of color, who were two pioneers of, of the, the Stonewall riots. And I would just, I don't know, I just, it's not like I'm mad and I'm gonna go out and be angry, but I just find it offensive that like, it's like hire someone that, that knows about these people and, and who, you know, I don't know, who has more of a connection, I guess. I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just talking well, out of my head. You touched on it before, <laughs> a, a couple of different points here, like Mara was talking about like assumptions and preconceived associations and stereotypes of what these different groups are supposed to sound like, right? Right. And then, and we also touched on it earlier, there are so many people in the entertainment industry from all walks of life. And I feel like a lot of people, this kind of ties into our next question, but it's like a lot of people want to do VO because they're like, yay, I can do all these accents and create all these larger than life characters. And the truth <laughs> is, usually we're just going to cast people from those ethnicities, from with the life experience. And it's just your authenticity as who you are is what's going to book you more than anything else. So like you said, there shouldn't be this competition to stuff that it's like, well, that's obviously not me, but I got to pay the phone bill or whatever. I couldn't imagine them doing an animated series of Black Panther and casting white actors to play those roles. I mean, to oh, me, I can oh imagine. <laughs> can you? <laughs> yeah, it's like trying just, you know, I, I would hope that, that, you know, I mean, that would, I don't know, that's just, anyway. <laughs> I will say BET did it a few years ago, and it was a primary. <laughs> it was an African American and an actual African cast as well, so that's nice. Hallelujah! Yeah, nice. it was. It's a wonderful show if you've never seen it. But um, but awesome. Uh, did anyone else want to touch on that before we moved on to the next question? Uh, I mean, I had. I mean, a lot of what was said by Mara, I resonated with a lot, and. I actually remember having this conversation with you on Instagram. I was asking you, I'm getting all these auditions. And it says, you know, urban, African-American sounding. And my friends and I like make jokes about it all the time because I mean, I don't, I, I think, I know it doesn't come from a bad place when I get those auditions, but I think that those words sometimes are like connected with a little bit of a stereotype, I guess. And in that stereotype, there's a bit of authenticity so I, I think context means a lot, but I, I'm the first one to admit, I can't do that. I never get those out. Like I never land those roles. I'm terrible at it. And you were so sweet to explain to me, like, you know, this is what they mean. This is, you know, you like, here's really, the code. This is the code. And I was like, yeah, I, I started to get what you mean. And I was talking to somebody else after I had um, uh, in person audition too. And she said, this, it was a casting director. She said, like, it's extraordinarily racist and stuff. And I said, well, I don't, I don't think it came from that place. But I, to me, I think that, you know, as somebody who grew up in New York, I grew up with, you know, an upper middle class family, but I went to school in Brooklyn for the first, like, 12 years of my life. And, you know, going from Manhattan to Brooklyn, being who I am, being half black, half white, going to those different communities, I code switched a lot, too. So I definitely understood the different ways in which people would communicate with each other. And I definitely noticed that, you know, there was more of a urban sound, I guess, when it came to, you know, the different places I would be. It's sort of hard to dissect, I guess, especially because, you know, when I'm asked to speak from, you know, speak urban or sound African-American, my African-American experience is completely different than everybody else's, especially because of how I sound and the shade of black that I am. And not every black person is going to sound the same. And I definitely cannot sound the way that, you know, the, what they're looking for. But I think that it's also good to have the people who can do those voices because like growing up, there was, there was a cartoon called Static Shock. And there a lot of my black friends said that they could definitely relate to that hero just because of the way that he sounded. 
and also the way that he looked. So I think it's, you know, important to have voices like that. Absolutely. Wonderful. So since we were talking about the, the idea of sort of the codes and the language we see in casting specs and stuff like that, do you see any stereotypical coding for that's relating to sexual orientation versus race? Like, for example, we talked about like urban for people of color, but is there anything for, for like the LGBTQ plus? I, uh, I haven't seen anything really that, you know, like I said, unless it's something specific, you know, for an LGBTQ product, I haven't seen anything until recently. I saw, um, I know that uh, Spotify, they were looking for non-binary or, or non-gender conforming voices. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's like everyone's voice pattern is so unique. So it's like, how do you find you know, how do you find, how do you identify, or what does a trans person sound like? What does a non-binary person sound like? You know, it's, it's, so for me, it's more about the experience. You know, if you're going to tell a story, know that experience, you know, I mean, voice, voice patterns are, are so different. And, you know, to, to piggyback what Aaron said, yeah, not all white people talk the same. Not all black folks talk the same. I mean, I, I'm in Kentucky of all places, and I still have, you know, that accent comes out when I'm just sitting around conversing or when I'm drinking wine with Mara. Yes, <laughs> But, um, <laughs> you know, it, I can turn it off when I go in the booth. But I also have friends that I hang out with who are sassy and, and use a lot of slang terminology, and I get right in there with them and... And I, I think just encourage people to audition from places uh, that you can speak on. And if you don't, you know, if you look at something and you know you're not a fit for that, you know, give it, leave it for someone else. Because there's so many people in this, in this industry now that, that can bring authenticity to that read, you know. Uh, but I, I mean, what does a gay person sound like? I mean, if I, if I were to see auditions like that, I would think that they want someone that's lispy and effeminate or someone that sounds like Paul Lind, you know, from the old Hollywood Squares days and bewitched, you know. And so I'm like... I find that kind of stuff offensive too. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to be militant about it, but I'm just like, wow, that is so, you know, you might as well just wrote, you know, looking for a, a, a lispy, effeminate queen, <laughs> you know, because that's, you know, that's what it's implied, you know, because it's like as a gay dude, if I'm, if I audition, they're like, well, he doesn't sound gay enough. Well, yeah. all right. But if you want a lispy, you know, queen, well, then I'll, let me give it a shot, you know, about four or five cocktails in and I'm sure I pulled that <laughs> off really well. <laughs> so, yeah. well, that's one thing I've been excited to see is the shift in where LGBTQ characters are now being inserted, where, as you know, not that long ago, you know, just in the Will and Grace days, the only time you'd really see gay people being considered as part of the conversation was to kind of be the comic relief, the court Absolutely. jester sort of archetype. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, no, we just want to tell the stories, you know, and it doesn't have to be even you know, specific to that. It's just we're taken seriously as fleshed out characters where everything doesn't revolve around being flamboyant or, you know, fitting into this stereotype, you know, just for the sake of inserting that in there as Absolutely. some sort of joke, you know, right. frankly. I mean, Will and Grace was great in that aspect because they, you know, you had the flamboyant character with Jack, but then you also had Will, who was just a regular guy. So yeah. it's like, what kind of gay do you want? You know, what exactly right. are you saying when you say gay voice? Because Will wasn't overly over the top. Jack is, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, you know, how, how do you define that? So I think it's just an education process for some people. And for me, I mean, and that's what I try to do, you know, when I talk about being a, an activist, I try to educate people you know, sometimes if I see specs that look a little wonky, but you know, you, you're not, you're talking to agents. You're not going to get to the top. You're not going to get to the person actually doing the casting. So, I mean, you know, that's, so it's like, how do we get to those people and let them know that they need to figure out how to better describe what they're looking for, as opposed to, you know, those, those kind of trigger words that aren't really acceptable anymore. Well, let's That's talk about that for a second. What What is okay? Because as Mara said, and I've noticed this too, it was actually one of the questions we were going to get to later, but since we brought it up, we are starting to see some of those castings in VO looking for non-binary, looking for trans. What are some, some good descriptors to use that people from the community would be okay with? Well, that's, uh, that's a good question. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, it up. A majority of the auditions that I'm getting now are, it's, it's like always non-binary. 
And I appreciate that a lot. Um, I think when it comes to gender and sexuality roles that are being cast out, especially since, you know, gender and sexuality is always evolving and people are being more open with themselves. And to some people, like words are just being added to the list. The alphabet keeps expanding. I think to use the word like non-binary sort of a good umbrella term because not everybody is going to understand that there's like very, very specific groups of people who identify a certain way. And for someone like me who I, honestly, I don't, I don't know what I identify as. I just call myself a guy because it's easier for everybody else. But I also get called she all the time and I don't mind that either. I think it's great to have that for people to, for, for castings to search for people who are non-binary because it gives them a voice. And there was one example that I could think of, this great Netflix show called She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And there's an actor who voiced a non-binary character and he's non-binary himself. His name is Jacob Tobias, I think. And he explained how it felt very surreal to him and authentic for him. And I'd like to see more of that. Anybody Absolutely. else have a thought on that? Maybe from the casting side, Liz? Yeah, I was going to say, Liz or Judy? What are you putting in your castings? Well, I'm, I'm not doing castings, but I will talk to you in terms of the things that come out. Remember the people that are writing these specs. When I'm sitting here listening to you, and I find it incredibly interesting and learning and, and fascinating, but you're also tiptoeing between voiceover and on camera. Okay? Some of the stuff you're talking about is on camera. In an on-camera audition, that's just got a whole different perspective. In terms of the voiceover world, if an audition comes through and it is saying things like non-binary or it's saying things like, be careful, and a minute ago, y'all were talking about the way the specs are written. Listen, those are written so that they don't get in trouble. They're trying their best to say urban, you know? They can't, and it would be so wrong to say, give me a black voice. Right? So they can't write black voice. Let me give you a contrary. And on, on camera, give me a fat girl. Well, they're not going to write, give me a fat girl. You know, they're going to say, give me someone that is overly healthy. Or, you know, and so you're running into <laughs> things like that that are coming from a... <laughs> right, right. But, really? Okay, maybe I made that one up. But, um, <laughs> Indulgent? I don't know. <laughs> Indulgent. I mean, you know, and, and, but, but, but here's the case. You, you automatically go to something. So I kind of want to address a little bit what AJ was saying about authenticity. When an audition comes through like that, and, they, and you can tell that they're struggling, but their intent is to describe a voice, Right. If it just like AJ said, that's the time that it's probably not right to throw in a character voice unless they're saying these words over the top. Well, you get over the top in front of just about anything, and anybody can, you know, swing that dramatic right or left. But if there, it's something like non-binary or it's something like those kinds of things. If that's not your wheelhouse, then don't do it. Um, but voiceover world is a voiceover acting. Y'all are actors you are expected not your face not your pretty little things there it's your voice that is trying to move a product move a character you know move a nation it's that voice so how you truly identify is not as relevant unless like aj was referring an audition comes through where they really are looking for a unique sound so I was reading a thing that had been put together by um, Maria Pendolino. Maria Pendolino, y'all know Maria. She did a, um, a talk about this very subject a few years ago. And I think that her suggestions were very good and very relevant. She's like, look, we may not, but guys, by the time y'all see the auditions, oftentimes, not always, depends on how you got it, but your agent has scrubbed it because your agent knows better than to send the word fat out. Okay, those kinds of things that happen. So you may or may not be getting that. But what Maria suggested was, let's work with ad agencies. And actually, I think it would be a really awesome thing for any of you, any of you to reach out to human beings that work at ad agencies and say, look, I know the world is kind of crazy right now. And I know you're working toward trying to be really inclusive. Let me work with you, even if it's not something that's in my wheelhouse, but let me work with you when you're defining those specs. 
Let me be part of your team. And that was a suggestion by Maria that I think is absolutely fabulous. And this was from several years ago before we were knee deep in, you know, the world coming to an end with murdering hornets and amoeba eating skin. But what I do think is really credible in it is that we're now open to such things and you guys are influencers and you guys are influencers with activism and purpose and other things outside of selling your voice to sell a product. Because I don't care what you do as a voiceover, in a nutshell, that's what you do. You sell your voice to sell a product, whether it's a thing. So reach out, say, listen, I know, I, I just wanna help you here. Because I think by me helping you here and helping you be part of this identification way up here at the beginning of how you're trying to get what you're doing, we both win. And it's not because I want you to love on me and hire me, but don't be afraid. I will say yes, but it's because I want to sit here and work with you to make your product and, and, and the whole world of communication messaging better. Wonderful. And I think as talent, we assume that the communication is just top down and we're kind no, of just this, no, like this, no. this voice monkey that's just <laughs> like, Oh, you want me to speak? How now? Like, <laughs> uh, but, um, but anyways, so kind of jumping off of that point and, and talking a little bit of a double-edged sword question, but actors often talk about the freedom of voice acting and being able to portray roles that they would never be cast for on camera. And I think, Mara, you've talked about this at length in other interviews as well. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that's true now or do you still feel pigeonholed and stereotyped to try out and to do roles that you'd rather not portray? In my experience, I, I see things opening up a lot. Like I said, I, I think there's there's been a lot more awareness in recent years that, you know, when you cast a black person that they don't have to sound urban. You know, I just, just in the past year or two alone, I've gotten so many lead roles in video games and I haven't been asked to, to have any sort of, it really hasn't had a bearing on the character whatsoever. You know, the character just happened to be African-American, which was wonderful. Um, and again, like I was saying that I, I'm even noticing, I'm noticing more requests for non-binary uh, and, I, and I'm looking at the scripts and there, there's nothing that's distinctly specific about being non-binary. They simply just want that to be a part of the world, which is what the world really looks like. You know, this is the problem that we have in general is, you know, we have too many, <laughs> you know, frankly, straight white men trying to tell the world what diversity looks like when we're not in the room, you know? And so, of course, you know, it, it gets confusing when you have those types of people telling us how to be us. Um, and so I think Liz is absolutely right. We do need to find ways to to get in the room and to raise our hand and say, hey, um, maybe you didn't think to ask me what it's like <laughs> to be, you know, to live this life, but you know, here we are. Um, and so the responsibility, I guess, does to a degree, you know, fall on us. I think, you know, like you were saying, as talent, we do tend to feel like by the time it gets to us, it's been through so many layers and so many processes. It's just like, we're just happy to, to be nominated, to, to, you know, have an opportunity to jump in and, and participate that we don't feel we have much of a voice. But I think now more than ever, because inclusion and diversity are such buzzwords and, and people are, are trying to find a way you know, and you can tell a lot of times the, the people doing the casting, they are helpless. You can, you can tell by the language you're using sometimes. They, they just don't know. They just, they want to, to make a change, but they don't know exactly what that looks like. All that to say, I, I do see things opening up. I do see a lot of the, the stereotypes going away. And I do feel that we, as talent, probably do need to assume more of a responsibility <laughs> in taking action to help shift those tides even faster. It's not exactly sure how to do that, you know, especially when you have an agent, you know, do you bypass the agent and say, hey, I want to talk to these guys, you know? Oh, yeah, you know, it's, that's yeah. work. Oh, in my, yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that it, that is you trying to get the role. That is right, you trying right. to help them get better at it. And, and you mm. may be talking yourself out of that role nine times out of 10. But right. what's, what I really meant by that is you become part of their team. It's, it's yeah. work, not part yeah. of that particular project, part of the team that's helping to define that. You know, you got to get in on the ground floor. But in that vein, I, the, way I, the reason I think the world's going to open up and change is back to my original purpose. You as a voice actor now, especially given with everything doing, you are also your footprint, your visual footprint, your social media footprint, all your, your activism footprints, all these things that you are doing 
the more you are that you're, you're going to have to be because the voices with, if everything's going to really move to a whole lot of voiceover stuff, people need humans and there's going to be a whole lot. Um, and, and a case in point, Olaf, right? Olaf, the guy that does Olaf is, is terrific, but I don't know. He would be quite as popular right now if that was a different scenario and that was an on camera thing, but they are using the golly out of him as part of their PR campaign about you know, frozen, it's let's talk to this dude. And so now you have the human behind the voice. And I think that's going to be a big trend. And when that starts happening, ethnicity, color, choice, not choice, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, everything about you is going to have to be authentic because they're not going to get away with it not being authentic. It's not going to happen. You have to be that because you can't go hire an orange to play a purple. If you want a purple, you're going to hire purple because you're going to see the purple. To that, to that point, I'm actually the purple, uh, uh, I'm the purple worry monster currently for Palm Wonderful. Uh, awesome. I'm not, but I, I, I guess my soul is. I just wanted to jump in <laughs> off of something Mara, Mara was saying, you know, I mean, uh, let's talk about straight white men just for a moment. They predominantly are the decision makers um, still. Uh, yes, we're beginning to see some of that change, but you know, at a two to one ratio, to be sure, they in every single uh, aspect of life have in my lifetime historically been the decision makers. So the more we see in a socio-political climate, in any sort of climate, change happening on boards of directors, more gender equity, more females in position of power of every single color and every single uh, class and every single ethnicity, then the more we're going to begin to see the change trickle down into what we see on casting sheets, in creative suites, uh, and across the board. And I believe that we not only have a voice in this, we have a responsibility in this. And furthermore, even though we, we may want to say that straight white men have been the problem, straight white men are going to be the solution as well and must be in the same vein as any movement, again, in my lifetime has not shifted significantly until our allies have marched along with us, you know, for Dr. King and uh, in our Black Lives Matter movement uh, from 1964 up and through today. Guess what the change is right now? We're seeing it in front of our very eyes. We have the most diverse amount of people not just in the US, but around the globe, out in the streets, marching. We're seeing it every single day. This is astonishing we, that we must have change as this occurs. And the same for gender equity. You know, when men lift a hand up and women are on the boards of directors and you're playing golf with the guys, things begin to shift because we're seen as human beings as opposed to pigeonholed into you're gay, you're black, you're white, whatever it may be. We're seen as humans and humans first with all of our flaws and talents and smarts that we bring to the table. Just to piggyback on, on what Judy and, and Queen Bee there has said, Liz, I think that it's so important, you know, I think so many people for so long, and even I've been told, oh, well, you should keep your opinions to yourself. You could lose jobs or, you know, you could lose clients and, you know, you shouldn't be so this or that. I tried reining a lot of that in, but for me, it's not even about politics. For me, it's about morality. It's about human dignity. And when I see injustices done to other people, they don't have to be look like me, be like me, you know, or, or I don't even have to associate with their experience to know when I see an injustice happening, you know, I, I need to speak up. That was instilled in me from very young in age. And I'm kind of like the odd man out in Kentucky. I mean, I, I, luckily, I grew up in Louisville, which is very metropolitan and, and very progressive, uh, whereas the rest of Kentucky is still way behind in that kind of stuff. But I'd like to encourage everybody that may watch this, listen to this, however, to use your voice, live in your truth, fight for what you know is right. Don't just be silent because you're afraid of losing a job because for every job that may walk away from you or every client that may walk away, there are going to be 10 more. They're going to line up because you are a good person and you're doing what's morally right for humanity. So a lot of people 
don't want to talk about that. So I'll be, I'll talk about it because I'm not scared. But I've had several people email me privately and say, Ooh, you know, you should really be careful. You could lose a client. For me, when people are losing their lives and, and being killed because of who they love or the color of their skin, I'm sorry, but losing a client is the last thing I'm concerned about when it comes to that bigger picture. Morality is important, absolutely. And, and speaking up when, when one sees, you know, wrongdoing in, in that capacity. But remember, at the same time, as actors, you know, we're storytellers. And there's a fine line there. Uh, you know, I, I, I get that with you might lose a job. You know, I try not to bring any politics with me at all. Uh, I concur with you completely. What I try to bring with me is a sense of decency and humanity and serve the client to the best of my capabilities, whomever that client may be. Absolutely. Wonderful. And I just wanted to add a quick story because it, it kind of touches on a lot of the points we were talking about. And, and I feel like it's a step in the right direction is that you're seeing casting specs from agents and from indie projects coming in that saying like, we don't want characters. We want people from these ethnicities, from these experiences saying that specifically. And unfortunately, you see this backlash from actors with that scarcity mindset where it's like, shouldn't it go to the best actor? Shouldn't it like, I can do those voices. Really? And, and that's the thing. I was like, have you considered they want to give these opportunities to these people? They don't care who the best actor is. They want the best actor that meets that requirement because they want to provide those opportunities. So if you do nothing else, at least say no to the jobs that you're not a good fit for. I've seen that in a couple of instances where people have said that exact thing you know it's like oh well we're actors we should be able to shape shift and we can become anything we want because we're voice actors personally i don't agree with that if they're looking for a specific person to speak on an experience or from a perspective and you haven't lived that i just think that's unethical that's just my personal opinion some people will agree some people will call me an idiot it's not like i haven't been called an idiot before but aj, AJ it's just like i was talking it's also because from a very pragmatic standpoint, they're going to take that voice person in you and they're going to make you public because that's what's happening. And you have to be authentic. And, and I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to be altruistic and wonderful. I suspect there's a little bit more. I mean, and there are human beings out there that are truly wonderful, but I suspect it's also a very calculated business decision and good on them because if they're making those kind of, very calculated business decisions, they are at least stepping into the enlightened path. Not to try and sign it all holy, but they really are. They're stepping into a way that says, hey, we want this character, and hey, maybe all these things else are going to happen, but we want to also make sure our arse is covered, you know, that we haven't done something stupid. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just wanted to piggyback off that, and I've thought about it as well. There's um, When it comes to like authenticity and wanting to support others who need it and be an ally. I, I feel like I could notice, especially now, when it comes to people like sharing and speaking up about it. I know sometimes when somebody is being genuine about it and wants to help our community, the black community, the LGBTQ plus community, and then they're just like making a post because everybody else is doing it and they don't want to be the odd one out. But I see a lot of posts and people saying and a lot of allies saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, people in the LGBT community matter. And then you have, you know, people from my community, I'm in both communities saying, thank you for being a great ally. And, you know, thank you for using your voice. And I think that's important because we need all the allies we can get. And then you have other people saying, from what I see, like, you know, why are you congratulating them? Why are you just, you know, giving them a virtue trophy? They should be doing this anyways. They should be helping others anyways. They should be helping the voiceless. And I feel like when it comes from a place like that, it'll make them, you know, they might continue to do it, but it might just be less authentic. And I feel like if we recognize and not give praise, but I can't think of the word, but give thanks or just respect acknowledgement. and acknowledgement that yeah. we have people who are not in the same position as us, but want to help us, genuinely want us to see us grow and see us prosper and be great, then it'll be a ripple effect in a way. I think with things going on right now, especially with, with the recent events, I mean, here in Louisville, you know, we, 
we're, you know, we're dealing with the murder of Breonna Taylor, which is very close to home for us. I mean, one of my close friends is a trans woman of color. And last year, or I should say within the last year, you know, we've had 29 murders of trans women of color. And nobody's said anything about that. But I carry that with me and I do things to put those folks forward and say, well, yeah, but, you know, what about these folks? You know, like, what are we doing about where are the investigations? It kind of like they get swept under the rug. And it, it just, it, for me, it breaks my heart to, uh, to see people's humanity. I think a lot of people are waking up now, especially with seeing that video uh, of George Floyd. I think people that didn't really realize because, you know, it's kind of that, oh, that doesn't affect me. I, I really don't know. But seeing that and, and having that in your face, even if you're not, you don't have a diverse group of friends or you don't have, you know, you've stayed with your family members and, you know, you don't really, I'm a cultural person. So I soak up that energy. I love people from all walks of life. And, you know, I don't want to just know a bunch of pasty old white dudes like myself. I want to know everybody. Not everybody's like that. And I think that anybody that can change their mindset, no matter how old they are or, or where they come from, if I have to say thank you and welcome and, you know, glad you're finally here and see, you know, and you're awake now, if we have to give them a little nudge, then I'm all about doing that. I mean, yeah, people should love one another and, and all be supportive of one another. And unfortunately, this crazy world isn't like that. But yeah, I'm all about, if I see somebody that even looks at me cross-eyed like they want to join the movement and be part. I'm like, come on, here's a pamphlet. Get in line. Let's go. Let's go march. Let's go protest. Sometimes it takes people a while. You have to give people the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But for those that aren't on board and, and, and don't realize the, the severity of what's going on in the world, you know, I just, I feel sad for them, I, you know, because they're missing out on, on so many great people in the world. It's unfortunate. I think we have to meet people where they are, you know, uh, yeah. like like AJ and Aaron were saying, it's like, I, I've seen some people online be criticized for how they're showing support. And I'm just like, are, are you kidding? Like, if you're if you're trying and making an effort, you know, because I look at it as you're you have to pick a side at this point, your silence is picking a side whether you realize it or not. So, you know, you either say something for or against, but being silent is only allowing more discrimination to continue. And so if you're trying to raise your voice and support, whether it's authentic or not, you're still one more number on the side, the right side of history, as far as I'm concerned. And while I may see through your motivations for doing it and maybe question you know, the sincerity of it, you know, if it's, if it's putting those words in your mouth, if it's, you know, moving you in that direction and bringing you into that world, I say we need it, you know, no matter what. And, and it's not a time for criticism. It, it's, it's a time to be, you know, because we can't expect inclusion if we can't be inclusive within our own communities. And that's still a challenge in the gay community. I mean, you know, gay white men look down on trans women of color. Yeah. You know, they look down on, yeah. and mm -hmm. not all, but we had that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've DJed in clubs since I was 17 and I see, I've seen all of it. And I just, I don't know. I'm just, I think whoever is out there in the universe that I'm the way that I am and I'm not, not closed-minded, you know, like some folks are. We have a lot of work to do still, mm -hmm. um, but any... Anybody that wants to be an ally or, or jump on board at this point, I'm, I'm like, welcome. Open arms, yeah. welcome. Well, one more harbinger, hopefully, of good karma this week was the announcement that there's a new Bill and Ted movie coming out. So, as they said, be excellent to each other and party <laughs> on, dudes. So, I want to thank you for being here. <laughs> we really appreciate your time. Before we go, everybody, anybody want to promote themselves? Tell us where people can reach you if they want to hire you for voiceover work. Why don't we start with, uh, with uh, Aaron? Oh boy. Um, uh, yeah, I, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and I also stream on Twitch sometimes. So you can find me at Aphrodite TTV. Yeah. I'll take any audition you want to send my way. I'm up to anything. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's authentic, I am glad to work with anybody, but thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Fantastic. How about, uh, Judy? Hi, uh, lots of gratitude for being here. I am typically very easy to reach and connect with. Uh, Judy at judyshear.com. 
Uh, my agents are DPN in Los Angeles uh, uh, for voiceover and uh, on camera, Pantheon. Uh, I'm reachable as well via Instagram, Twitter, and uh, old school Facebook. There we go. AJ? All of my socials are AJ McKay Creative. Feel free to email me, aj at ajmckcreative.com. And if you need a demo or you want me to produce a demo, contact JMC Demos. That's kind of been the, my, my main gig for the while now. So, uh, but I, yeah, I'd love to hear from people. And I, I'm an open book. So if anybody has any questions or wants to reach out and want to learn how you can get involved, um, you know, with the LGBTQ movement or Black Lives Matter uh, and make donations that way. I have plenty of links and resources to send you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you also for doing our sponsor plug for us, JMC Demo, sponsor of the Meter podcast. And uh, as for me, yeah, you can find me. I think all of my socials as well are uh, just my name, Mara Juno. Uh, don't forget the silent T at the end. Um, and yeah, also same thing. If there's anything I can help with questions wise, you know, in terms of you know, what it's like to be a, a diverse person, you know, person of color, a person of gender diversity, whatever, anything I can do to maybe share some wisdom, you're more than welcome to reach out. I can be a little slow because I am busy, but don't, don't, don't hesitate. Uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Great. And Liz, anything you'd like to share? Liz, I'm just here to support everybody. If you guys have any kind of questions about voiceover, I've been around a long time. Old school, best way to find me is on Facebook, Liz Atherton. Wonderful. I just wanted to extend my thanks to Paul's and just thank you all. I'm, I'm so grateful for you making the time to be here today. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks so to everyone. Thank you. It's a pleasure <laughs> to meet you all. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter.